Mark 7 and 8. The Pharisees, along with some religious scholars who had come from Jerusalem, gathered around him. They noticed that some of his disciples weren't being careful with ritual washings before meals. The Pharisees, Jews in general, in fact, would never eat a meal without going through the motions of a ritual hand washing with an especially vigorous scrubbing if they had just come from the market, to say nothing of the scourings they'd give jugs and pots and pans. The Pharisees and religious scholars asked, why do your disciples flout the rules showing up at meals without washing their hands? Jesus answered, Isaiah was right about frauds like you. Hit the bullseye, in fact. These people make a big show of saying the right thing, but their heart isn't in it. They act like they're worshiping me, but they don't mean it. They just use me as a cover for teaching whatever suits their fancy, ditching God's command and taking up with the latest fads. He went on, well, good for you. You get rid of God's commands so you won't be inconvenienced in following the religious fashions. Moses said, respect your mother and father, and anyone denouncing mother and father should be killed. But you weasel out of that by saying it's perfectly acceptable to say to your father or mother, gift, what I owed you, I have given as a gift to God, thus relieving yourselves of obligation to mother or father. You scratch out God's words and scrawl a whim in its place. You do a lot of things like this. Jesus called the crowd together again and said, Listen now, all of you, take this to heart. It's not what you swallow that pollutes your life. It's what you vomit. That's the real pollution. When he came back home after being with the crowd, his disciples said, We don't get it. Put it in plain language. Jesus said, Are you being willfully stupid? Don't you see that what you swallow can't contaminate you? It doesn't enter your heart but your stomach. Works its way through the intestines and is finally flushed. That took care of dietary quibbling. Jesus was saying that all foods are fit to eat. He went on, it's what comes out of a person that pollutes. Obscenities, lusts, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, depravity, deceptive dealings, carousing, mean looks, slander, arrogance, foolishness. All these are vomit from the heart. There is the source of your pollution. From there, Jesus set out for the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house where there, there where he didn't think he would be found but he couldn't escape notice. He was barely inside when a woman who had a disturbed daughter heard where he was. She came and knelt by his feet, begging for help. The woman was Greek. She asked him to cure her daughter. He said, stand in line and take your turn. The children get fed first. If there's any leftover, dogs get it. She said, of course, master, but don't dogs under the table get scraps dropped by the children? Jesus was impressed. You're right, on your way, your daughter is no longer disturbed. The demonic affliction is gone. She went home and found her daughter relaxed on the bed, the torment gone for good. Then he left the region of Tyre, went through Sidon, back to Galilee Lake, and over to the district of Ten Towns. Some people brought a man who could neither hear nor speak and asked Jesus to lay a healing hand on him. He took the man off by himself, put his finger in the man's ears, and some spit on the man's tongue. Then Jesus looked up in prayer, groaned mightily and commanded, open up, and it happened. The man's hearing was clear and his speech plain, just like that. Jesus, Jesus urged them to keep it quiet, but they talked it up all the more, beside themselves with excitement. He's done it all and done it well. He gives hearing to the deaf and speech to the speechless. At about that same time, he again found himself with a hungry crowd on his hands. He called his disciples together and said, this crowd is breaking my heart. They've stuck with me for three days and now they need something to eat. If I send them home hungry, they'll faint along the way. Some of them have come a long distance. His disciples responded, what do you expect us to do about it? Buy food out here in the desert? He asked, how much bread do you have? 
Seven loaves, they said. So Jesus took the crowd to sit them down on the ground. After giving thanks, he took the seven loaves, broke them into pieces, and gave them to his disciples so they could hand them out to the crowd. They also had a few fish. He pronounced a blessing over the fish and told his disciples to hand them out as well. The crowd ate its fill. Seven sacks of leftovers were collected. There were well over 4,000 at the meal. Then he sent them home. He himself went straight to the boat with his disciples. When they arrived at their destination, the Pharisees came out and started in on him, badgering him to prove himself, pushing him up against the wall. Provoked, he said, why does this generation clamor for miraculous guarantees? If I have anything to say about it, you'll not get so much as a hint of a guarantee. He then left them, got back in the boat and headed for the other side. But the disciples forgot to pack a lunch. Except for a single loaf of bread, there wasn't a crumb in the boat. Jesus warned, be very careful, keep a sharp eye out for the contaminating yeast of Pharisees and the followers of Herod. Meanwhile, the disciples were finding fault with each other because they had forgotten to bring bread. Jesus overheard and said, why are you fussing because you forgot bread? Don't you see the point of all this? Don't you get it at all? Remember the five loaves I broke for the 5,000? How many baskets of leftovers did you pick up? They said, 12. And the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many bags full of leftovers did you get? Seven. He said, do you still not get it? They arrived at Bethsaida. Some people brought a sightless man and begged Jesus to give him a healing touch. Taking him by the hand, he led him out of the village. He put spit in the man's eyes, laid hands on him, and said, do you see anything? He looked up. I see men. They look like walking trees. Jesus laid hands on his eyes again. The man looked hard and realized that he had recovered perfect sight, saw everything in bright 2020 focus. Jesus sent him straight home telling him, don't enter the village. Jesus and his disciples headed out for the villages around Caesarea Philippi. As they walked, he asked, who do the people say I am? Some say John the baptizer, they said. Others say Elijah. Still others say one of the prophets. He then asked, and you, what are you saying about me? Who am I? Peter gave the answer, you are the Christ, the Messiah. Jesus warned them to keep it quiet, not a breath, a word to anyone. He then began explaining these things to them. It is necessary that the Son of God proceed to an ordeal of suffering, be tried and found guilty by the elders, high priests, and religious scholars, be killed, and after three days rise up alive. He said this simply and clearly so they couldn't miss it. But Peter grabbed him in protest. Turning and seeing his disciples wavering, wondering what to believe, Jesus confronted Peter. Peter, get out of my way. Satan, get lost. You have no idea how God works. Calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, Anyone who tends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? Who and what could you ever trade for your soul? If any of you are embarrassed over me and the way I'm leading, when you get around your fickle and unfocused friends, know that you'll be an even greater embarrassment to the Son of Man when he arrives in all his splendor, his Father with an army of holy angels. So this section of Mark is kind of a hodgepodge of some miracles, um, including Jesus multiplying bread and fish, and also some interesting ways that he healed people. I think it's really ironic that he does the healings in so many different ways, and in this case, spits, 
um, puts mud on. So just a very physical healing. And other times he, like with the woman, tells her to just go home because her daughter's healed. He doesn't even have to go in the same room. So I think what I get from that and what how it affects um, my faith is just that Jesus does heal in many different ways. And even more important than that is probably for us to realize that sometimes he doesn't heal at all. I think about that often when I think that Jesus came for one segment of time in history. He was only on the earth for 33 years. A very small 20 to 30 mile vicinity was all he ever traveled. And he did not heal everybody. And some would say, well, they didn't have enough faith or whatever, but that's not the truth. He had a very specific plan and he stuck to it. And the difficult part is for us to be okay with accepting both the healing and the answer that he won't.